0: namo bhagavato arahato sammāsambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammāsambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammāsambuddhassa aparudha de sangamatthasatthara he sort of one tabamoon chant to satang. So you can sit uh, with mindfulness. Satisampatanya um centering yourself the present, here and now, the way it is, so you are actually having to listen to my voice for the next hour. Now, emphasizing the mindfulness awareness, I use these interchangeably, and then Samputanya's intuitive, with intuition, so that this sense of receiving the present, uh, like an intuitive moment, is is uh, is not discriminating anything, is not choosing or focusing on one thing by rejecting anything it's including everything so this is a natural ability we have it it's not you know you can't cultivate it as some kind of special state it's just unrecognized in our lives usually we because uh, we're conditioned to always be looking for something thinking about something Trying to control something, trying to filter away, get rid of the things we don't want. So, in the development condition of our minds, we tend to develop mechanisms that you know, where we we don't hear what we what we don't like, or we 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 can pick and choose. You know you wonder why the world is in such a mess because people don't listen they know they don't operate from an intuitive place they they operate from fear and desire usually without knowing it and so just bringing into c- consciousness at this time the natural state. That we're in as human entities on this planet. This is obvious but do you ever really contemplate what it is you know the reality of being a a human being on a planet in orbit around the Sun in a vast universe. And then we're stuck here for a lifetime in this body That goes through from birth and grows up, matures and then starts aging and then dies. And it's this is a sense realm. We're living, you know, this is the reality, the experience of sensitivity. So we have senses. The Buddha pointed to the you know, really observing what it is to be sensitive, to have eyes uh, and that see things. Like seeing, isn't it? It's not, you know, whatever passes in front of our field of vision, whether it's uh, beautiful or ugly, we still see it. Uh, you know, there's a guarantee that we're going to live in, in a realm where there's only beauty. Or sound, smell, taste, touch. Uh, we have developed... The intellect, so we have a retentive memory, so we remember. We 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 have we have a language because we have a, a retentive memory. So we can talk about the past. I can tell you all about my my past. You know my life, the things that I've done in the past, uh, plans for the future. Um, we can study history, archaeology, anthropology, uh, and then there's science. But modern science tends to always be outgoing into objects, isn't it? Where we tend to observe things that, that are out in space or through microscopes or telescopes. So we we pick up we, we feel and the and this feeling this is this is what sensitivity is all about feeling. And feeling, of course, is you know can be pleasurable, painful, or neutral. So this is just pointing to the way it is having a human birth on this planet. This is this is what we're experiencing sensitivity and and sensitivity then in, in the body itself as you no doubt are aware during, even though this is only the really the first full day uh, just sitting for very long you've, you get sensations in your knees and back and things like this not pleasurable ones, and some of you might but usually it's the other way. Pain Discomfort, irritations, and so this is just noticing the way. This isn't a complaint or a put-down of anything. It's just observing. So that's what the Buddha encourages us to do—to really awaken to the what we're actually experiencing in the present. Now, desire comes, and we want we'd like to only have pleasure, pleasurable sensations, happiness, success, and be respected and liked uh, These are the good things in the world uh, to be happy and have beautiful things around us and feel secure and loved and protected and safe, but then there's also the opposite the fear isn't it. Of 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 being rejected, of having to live with what we don't like, of being hurt, of being attacked, physically attacked, of being insulted or abused or despised by the society, being a failure. So this is all what sensitivity is about. It's about these extremes, happiness and suffering, pleasure, pain, heaven hell. And this is experienced through consciousness. But conscii- we're experiencing consciousness in a form, in a, in a human body. And this human body is a totally sensitive form, as you may have noticed. And that's just the way it is. And right. so, like when we contemplate Vedana, or feeling, pleasure, pain, neutral feeling. You know, we we're constantly, from the time we're born to the time the body dies, are going to be impinged on by the things that that are around us that that impinge on our senses, on our mind. So, uh, you know, there is a when we when we don't understand this, then we always try to control and protect ourselves. If we experience a lot of suffering, then we become very. Uh, Frightened by life, life is a threat and danger. Fear motivates us. If we're just uh, seeking happiness all the time, trying to to have fun, good time, be successful, life is beautiful, uh, and we would like to just experience uh, the pleasures of the sense of the senses of the mind. Because these are desirable. These are what we would like. And the other is what we don't want. So desires form, don't they? Desire for happiness, security, pleasure. And the desire to get rid of or protect ourselves from or resist. All forms of misery, pain, loss, ugliness, insecurity and and these these words convey that, that extreme of this dualistic structure that we're experiencing through consciousness at this very moment. Now notice that when we talk about dualism, we have extremes. If you have happiness, you have sukha, then there's dukkha. One, and they, they go together. Two sides of the same coin. When you then there's heaven and hell. They're a couple. They go together. And then there's uh, praise and blame. We like to be praised. I mean, be appreciated and respected. And, and but we fear, and fear blame, being criticized, blamed, and despised. And we like. The feeling of success, of being somebody important and successful in the world. People look up to and they admire you, envy you. But we fear also failure. So when, when we're aiming for these extremes, like some modern life is so much an attempt to try to control everything, to provide a security that makes us feel uh, everything is okay, and then the the aims is to be successful, to be happy, to be liked, to be popular, to be loved, to be uh, somebody important. And then there's the feelings that we have when we we can't, you know, when we when when things change, when we're despised, rejected, sick, lonely, no friends, out in the cold. Miserable, diseased, (laughs) and a failure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now this is, now we can think of our, what we're doing here is in terms of success, how successful a meditator are you? You know, are you, do you consider yourself successful at meditation or a failure? Um, and and what do you, how do you see yourself? You know, somebody that's success, a successful person, somebody that everybody loves, that's lovable, that's worthy of respect? Or do you see yourself in terms of being a failure or unlovable or rejected or, or not good enough? because we form a a a, a sense of ourselves with these with these dualisms with these extremes or we can say well i'm just you know i'm just an ordinary guy you know not successful not failure <coughs> some people like me some people don't <laughs> but that's still <laughs> that's another uh, that's another mask we can create an illusion we can create about ourselves now how to get outside of that dualism because we're stuck in it that's why why we're here this retreat <laughs> <laughs> And the society is it, it believes in it totally in the dualistic, in in the uh, you know the idea of progress and success and and you know creating a perfect society and uh, where everything's fair. We're very idealistic. Uh, we have ideals, and and they're they're one extreme. An ideal is an extreme. You can create an ideal in your mind. Uh you know, and it can be absolutely perfect, flawless ideal, you know where everything's fair and right, and everybody that would like heaven and to be when we when you create uh images of heavenly life, it's where we're happy all the time and totally safe and loved unconditionally, and everything's pretty, <laughs> and there's no pain, no arthritis. No bird flu, anything like that. There's no even rumors of bird flu in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) So heaven, I mean, you you can create an image of heaven in your mind. That's an ideal, and it's beautiful. You can you can ultimately beautiful and perfect. Or you can also create a hell in your mind where life is just miserable. Everybody's a self-centered, self-seeking. You can't trust anybody. Life is miserable. It's all about pain and disease, old age, and and uh, death, demons, ugliness, violence, war. And then then we—that's depression. I'm no good. I'll never be any good. I'm hopeless. And that's the other extreme. Now that takes thought, doesn't it? You have to you have to create those, those uh, those images and grasp them and believe in them. So, you know, we create ourselves as personalities. You know, so uh, me as a person, you have to start thinking about myself to become a person. You know, I'm Marjan and I'm like this. And then I become that, you know, if I believe <coughs> if I believe what I'm thinking and the and the perceptions that I attach to, and then I am a I'm always you know, uh, creating myself as a personality, identified with my appearance, with my body, with the age of my body. Um with its gender, identified with it being male or female, identified with being black or white or being tall or short or being uh, upper class, middle class, working class. (laughs) All these identities that we actually believe in are real. And and we look at the people around us, the world around us, we believe it's reality. Uh, sometime here in the monastery much of the society uh, looks at us uh, looks at monks and nuns as people that aren't living in the real world they say well you don't live in the real world Ajahn Sumedho you know you don't have a mortgage and three children (laughs) you're not well I am unemployed where am I (laughs) I don't quite know where I fit into that category. <laughs> because the, you know the the real world is is the world that people tend to assume is real what what's considered normal and and approved of or how things should be in in a culture or a society and then it looks like here at amabati we're we're, li- we're not living in that world we're living in a kind of they they sometimes assume that we're just living in in highly evolved states of Samadhi, so we're always kind of floating above it all <laughs> but we don't really do that very much. <laughs> So what I'm doing is just trying to, to, you know, reflect on on the way it is as a human individual. The way it is, not how I would like it to be or as an ideal, but the way it is. So, you know, when when you're practicing meditation, you know, you'd, you know, when I first started, I used to. I used to always want to get into some very intense state of samadhi where I wouldn't feel any pain or I wouldn't feel any worry or any negativity. You know, I just feel this bliss and oneness with everything. And and I just wanted to get out of this this sensitive realm, this this self. I tend to be, as a person, self-critical. I turn my Thinking mind, my critical mind towards myself, and I always see something wrong with myself as a person. So this is, you know, this is a habit uh, that that I developed uh, on the condition level of, of uh, comparing myself to others, to ideals, and and then always noticing what's wrong or the 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 flaw or the weakness the uh, the thing that isn't quite good enough or or that's terribly wrong with me as a person. And then that becomes my, you know, I, what I hold up is, the, you know, what I dwell on, tend to exaggerate. And I used to not notice at all my goodness. So when I went to live in Thailand then to stay with Ajahn Chah, mm-hmm. He said some surprising. He said, "You must contemplate your own goodness." Never thought of that before. (laughs) Completely new idea. (laughs) And and my first reaction was, "No, I don't want to do that because (laughs) I'll just get in. uh, You know, I'll get an inflated ego. You know, just you know, I'm gonna. uh, You know, being honest is admitting your faults, isn't it? If you're gonna be honest with me, okay, tell me what's wrong with you." (laughs) <laughs> and I say okay be honest and you tell me about your goodness I say rubbish <laughs> <coughs> you aren't facing reality <laughs> <laughs> what are you covering up no this is good and bad and, and virtues and faults so on, and this is on a personal level how we create ourselves with these, with these thoughts, with these uh, memories. Now we can be aware of this. Now that's a, that's what the point of this retreat is: awakening to um, to wake up to this dualism, to be able to put it in a perspective, uh, to be able to. To, in other words, transcend it. Not, th- but transcending doesn't mean getting way outside it and and where it doesn't affect you, but being able to see it, to notice and observe, and free yourself from just blind, ignorant attachment to the these dualisms or the conditioned realm. Now, how do you do that? <coughs> Great idea. And and the, and the answer is very simple. Pay attention. So this, this uh, mindfulness, awareness is, is the gate or the door. The only possibility we have in this present moment is through awakening, and paying attention, listening, being attentive. So we're not, we're not trying to find anything and and trying to create some or get something that we imagine we'd like to have, or just resist the The bad things, the negative thoughts and the pain and all that, but awaken to the way it is now, the way that each one of us is experiencing this, the 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 body that you have or the the uh, <coughs> character the the emotional habits that that you are experiencing, your memories and thoughts, good, bad, right, wrong, heaven hell doesn't make any difference the awareness. Putting them into that perspective is what mindfulness is. So, when I chanted in the beginning, before I started this reflection, it was Aparuta uh, De Sangamatata Taura. This I'm sure you understand. <laughs> 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 uh, this was uh, the Buddha announced after his enlightenment the gate to the deathless is open. Now, so the gate, the deathless is open. This is a metaphor, isn't it? But, it, but it's pointing to this awareness. This is the gate. This is the, the gate to the deathless. Well, the deathless, then, if the dualisms are all about death, isn't it? And the body is about death the clinging, you know, the identity with your physical body, you're clinging to death because that's what's going to happen to it. <laughs> so we, we don't want to think about that. <laughs> that's negative. <coughs> but not trying to be negative or, you know, but to point to the reality of that, that, that the body... Once it's born, birth is the cause for death. You have birth and you have death. So that the awareness then of the body is the the gate to the deathless. So the deathless then is awareness itself. Now the, the word deathless, is a is a word you can't imagine, can you? You can. It, it's kind of an abstract idea in terms of the word itself. I mean, that which isn't born and doesn't die, deathless, the uh, immortal. Nirvana. And uh, these kind of words are emptiness. shunyata, Anatta. nirodha, Nirvana. All these w- poly words. They this is, these are you can't imagine you can't create images of nothing, or emptiness, or the deathless. So because it's not imagined, you can't imagine it, but it's real, it's reality. So that, that's why, this awareness, this simple ability we have to just pay attention in the present, the reality of the deathless, it's real, it's a fact, it's not some abstract philosophical or metaphysical idea. Mm. It's provable. So that's the point of say the Buddhist teaching is to realize this, the, uh, uh, to realize, is, is 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 about reality. This is, you know, to recognize this that we that we don't we can't imagine, we we can't point to as an object, we can't hold it in our hands. saying this is a deathless, or you can't point to some some uh, you know point it out as um, something out there. But it's real, so that's where the 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 only way that we can realize the deathless is through attentiveness or awakenness, and so that is the very meaning of Buddha. The word Buddha is awakened. So you might think of Buddha as a sage, ancient Indian sage. Uh, Which is not one way of looking at Buddha. Fair enough. That that can be very inspiring. I I love the stories of the Buddha and the Gotama the Buddha and all that. (laughs) Not not trying to put it down, but that can't is not liberating. (coughs) That best it can do is inspire you. But Buddha Gotama the Buddha was pointing, you know, at this reality, and so that's why he's called the Buddha. And when we when we started this retreat last evening, then we took refuge in the Buddha. We said Bhutang Sarnangachami. Now this it means that we're taking refuge in awareness. It's as simple as that. You're not taking refuge in some sage of the past or some kind of imagined Buddha nature out there or Buddhas up in the sky or anything like that. Or maybe you just said it because you felt you had to. But now I'm trying to to bring this word so it's usable, so it's practical, it helps you. It's not just just cluttering up your mind or causing you all kinds of doubts. Was there really a Buddha? Is Buddha God? Or is, uh, you know, is there real proof that there ever was a Buddha? <laughs> we could spend our lives you know, trying to figure all that out. But the my, the reality, the word itself is awakened, conscious awakenness within a human form. So it's a refuge. I mean, a refuge is a safe place. When... We all want a safe place to be because it is a frightening world that we're living in. You know, just physically. We're so you know, we're very uh, vulnerable, easily wounded, easily hurt physically. It doesn't take much to to kill a human being. They can get squashed like flies and, and blowing up with with nuclear weapons and What's happening in Iraq to this day, Probably right now, there have been fifty people blown up with a bomb or something this is a, so there is a lot of things to be frightened of on the physical level. There's a lot to be frightened of on the emotional level because we can we, we're easily hurt insulted when somebody insults me. And abuses me. I It hurts me. I feel this pain. You know, so, you know, if people gang up on me and and insult me and call me nasty names, it hurts. Not physically. <laughs> but, you know, emotionally, that's sometimes even worse than physical pain. <coughs> so that's what sensitivity is about. Sensitivity is, is pleasure, pain. <clears throat> but in, but when we recognize or realize mindfulness, awareness, sati Then it doesn't mean we don't. We stop feeling, but we have a context for feeling. We're a refuge. We're in a refuge of knowing, of awakened knowing it's one it's universal it's not it's not personal i can't say that i am a buddha that would sound personal and then you you have every right to walk out of this <laughs> meditation hall but this is a putting refuge in the buddha this this i like because this one can do it's not It's not an ego trip, you know, that I can take refuge in the Buddha better than you can. (laughs) But but it means, it's a reflection, isn't it, of, of, uh, to me, Bhutang Sarnangachami, whenever I hear that, it just reminds me, this is it, awareness. Being here and now, fully attentive, open to the way it is. That's the Dhamma, Tamang Sarnangachami. So the word Dhamma is is uh, also another useful word uh, because it it's, it's the way it is, the truth of the way it is is not defined in, in, you know, as it's not a metaphysical concept but it's it's a it's a word that is usable because through taking refuge in buddha we're we're awakened to the way it is what we're experiencing through consciousness pleasure pain praise blame happiness suffering we're aware of it, and we're aware and then we we contemplate it we reflect on the nature of conditioned experience like pleasure, pain, praise, blame, and all these, these dualisms, there they arise and cease. There's nothing permanent. They're not the deathless. They're not Nibbana. It's <laughs> but they are what they are. You know, they have different qualities and 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 so they have, they can be refined or coarse or <laughs> Mediocre or high or low, but, and these are qualities, aren't they? They can be good and bad, right and wrong. So we're, we're recognizing that this intuitive awareness puts us into, put, gives us uh, ability to reflect on the way it is the body itself, the breathing of the body, the sensations, the, the experiences that we have through the senses. The the memories that arise and cease, the thoughts, the obsessions, the fears, the desires, that that all that whole uh, all that is possibly created, all that begins and ends, all that is impermanent. But our refuge is in the deathless, not in the conditions anymore. Until we realize this, then uh, we tend to be uh, totally identified with the condition. And that's why we suffer, because the conditions are unsatisfying. Because they they are subject to change all the time. They're changing. You can't keep them. You can't sustain them, and and make them stay with you, and control everything so that you're permanently happy and secure, uh, and and respected in in this realm. You can't. Stop the aging process of your body. Many people try these days. <laughs> and all kind of ways of delude yourself, you know, that make you think you're not getting old. But the reality is it, that's its nature. The body, you know, just like you wouldn't want to be stuck at just being a baby forever, would you? <laughs> Permanent baby for eternity. <laughs> even though babies are, you know, beautiful creatures, their nature is to grow and develop and mature. And then that reaches a peak, doesn't it? You don't keep growing, developing, maturing forever. It reaches a peak and then it goes the other way. (coughs) I'm getting to the end of the (laughs) downhill slide. And the... the, uh, So this is just the way it is. Now, (coughs) developing or recognizing this awareness because it's not a created state. You you can't create awareness. You can create refined concentration through controlling the mind and focusing on things and shutting out the course the noisy, the ugly, the disruptive, by you know controlling the environment and concentrating on something that is refined, and you, it makes you feel it gives you you know that sense of being refined, which is quite pleasant, pleasurable feeling, but you can't sustain it because conditions change you you can't control uh the conditioned realm to sustain the illusion, so there's no point in trying to control everything out of fear and ignorance, but the, then the as the Buddha said, "Wait, wake up, pay attention, observe how how it is being human being like this, being having to live in a sensitive form for a lifetime." What's the point of it? You know, what is the purpose? Wh- why? Why? Why this? I used to wonder when I was young. What's the point of life? You know, and uh, what's it for? Is it, uh, you know, when I was before I discovered Buddhism, I used to think it was just a bad joke. <laughs> because to me, being sensitive was, you know, it's 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 it means that you. You've got to go through a whole lifetime of feeling and of being identified and frightened and, and restless and, and there's so much to fear and so many unknown things and what's in the future? What will happen to me? What if I lose my health? What if I lose my, my house, my property, my loved ones, my goldfish? So, you, you know, when we, when, we, when we know like the drama of human existence, you know, all the kind of soap operas and, and mm-hmm. stories, are all about this, you know, unrequited love, not getting what you want, or despair at the loss of the loved, um, uh, violence, <laughs> isn't it, violence, with, uh, wars are exciting things, violence and sex are very exciting. So pop entertainment, the, the cinema likes to produce these kind of images because they excite us. You know. The sexual images they are very exciting to the human consciousness, and violence. Men, especially, we love we love these war films, <laughs> and uh <laughs> sports. You know, competitive. You know, out to beat, conquer, and win. These are these are very exciting to. The human mind, but excitement also is impermanent. You can't sustain this excitement for very long, and then, then, then we become bored. Life, so much of life, is quite boring, isn't it? You know, just day to day. You know, getting up in the morning, brushing your teeth, having breakfast. Getting ready to go to work, walking to the underground station—all oh, this is a routine, boring. This is not exciting stuff. But you can look forward to the football game, and and something that, uh, or the holiday in some exotic place, or some you know, climbing Mount Everest, or or looking for the perfect mate. You know, the romantic ideal of finding somebody that really excites you and interests you and fascinates you. <clears throat> but then you can't sustain any of these states. <laughs> 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 even even if you find such a person, it doesn't last, does it? It's uh, unsustainable. And so th- what I'm d- doing is just reflecting. The, the conditioned phenomena is like this. It's not a complaint, but a, but just observing. It's nature. It's supposed to be like this. There's nothing wrong with it. And and you know, but it is like this. And so this ability to reflect, to observe, is what the Buddha was. It, it's all about what Buddha's teaching is about. The waking up and noticing the way it is. So he points to you know, all condition phenomena is impermanent. We chant in you know, the puja's the each other all conditions are impermanent. Now that you can you know we all agree to that, you know, that seems reasonable enough. But there's a lot that we don't really like, subtle things and assumptions and attitudes that that we uh, d- we don't reach an ordinary life because we're, we we we're, we're creatures of habit. We become easily conditioned and operate from the limitations of our habits, and and so uh, the, and the, and a the lot goes unrecognized in our lives. So in a meditation retreats, also or uh, spending time where you're sitting by yourself and just in be- being attentive and aware things will start coming up into your consciousness that might surprise you or you know or unwanted memories or or emotion repressed emotional habits that you know, that you 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 know you've controlled can start surfacing in meditation retreats so don't let don't think something's going wrong when that happens it's like it's the purification. I call it purification. When, you, when you're when suddenly letting go of your obsessive need to control everything and there's no escape because you're sitting here in the, and you've still got half an hour to go. <laughs> <laughs> Then that's good because then maybe, you know, the the emotions like fears, uh, irrational fears or resentments from the past. In all our lives, there's a lot to resent in that in a human lifetime, being human, life isn't always fair and we're not always treated properly and respected the way we should be. You know, so... We resent that we resent the fact that we we haven't you know that every moment of our life hasn't been you know we we've had experienced being blamed for things we haven't done for being misunderstood, taken for granted, exploited, abused, ignored, and that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> So then we can build up resentments and bitterness about that, that life isn't isn't hasn't treated us well. These kind of things they start coming up into consciousness. So just let them. The aim the thing is not to control, but to learn to relax and open and allow. So so don't resist or fight anything. Just just have an attitude of receiving, welcoming. So this is like metta practice too, loving kindness, or loving kindness, the uh, word metta, Pali word metta, translated is, uh, into English is usually translated as loving kindness. It isn't like, and uh, loving kindness can be, you know, can be, sound very kind of uh, sentimental, I and mean, we must love everything and be kind to everybody. But... Meta is much more profound. It's not sentimental or being nice. It's just allowing, even what you don't like, to be what it is. See, when we lack loving kindness, then we, then we, even towards ourselves, we, I shouldn't have thoughts like this. I shouldn't feel like this. A good bhikkhu should never get angry. A bhikkhu should always be. Filled with compassion for everybody, and and now I'm don't, I'm I'm I don't have a, a compassion for anybody. I'm not a good bhikkhu. <laughs> so then we we have you know we we can feel we're not we're not having metta at that moment. We're we're criticizing that we're we're feeling or experiencing something that we don't want and we we'd like to get rid of and that we're ashamed of. But Metta isn't, isn't just trying to convince yourself everything's all right. It's not an intellectual process. It's, it's the ability to just allow it to be what it is, even if it's miserable and nasty. Allowing it to be means that the, this attitude of open receptivity being receptive and allowing <coughs> the conditions that you're experiencing to be what they are. Now that sounds easy enough maybe in in theory, but this is this is not easy to do because so much of our lives have been spent in trying to to control everything, to get rid of things and not be angry and and not feel jealousy and not be a Frightened of anything, to be brave and heroic and and uh, honest and good and noble, on and on like this is what I want to be. But I've got this pusillanimous (laughs) jitta, cowardly, frightened, insecure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want that. I hope nobody notices.
1: <laughs> um.
0: But in with metta or awareness, now applying them together, like it's unconditioned. You're not. You're not, There's no conditions. You're letting go of all the conditions. You're allowing the conditions that come to be what they are. You're not. You're, and you're not criticizing them. But you're recognizing, you're discerning they are what they are, so like like fear arises, irrational fear arises it is what it is, it's like this, and it's a way of of receiving it. it's not meaning of proving of it, but it means you're allowing it to be to exist at this moment in your consciousness, and then because it is arising because it arises, then it ceases. You're allowing these conditions to do what they have to do. They arise and they cease. And you're not making a problem about it, in other words. You you see, when we don't know this, then we're always making problems about the way we think, our emotional habits, the way we look, the people we live with, the society we're living in. We can make endless problems, as you well know. uh, We're very good at making problems about anything. Even when there are no problems, (laughs) we can make problems. (coughs) So this is where, this this, this is refuge in Buddha, knowing, realizing Dhamma, the way it is. And Sangha, Sankang chami, is this sangha, you're actually taking refuge in Sangha when you're aware. You're not taking refuge in in some kind of abstract Sangha, but it's is as a human individual uh you know, then Sangha is the awareness itself. Because then you, then there's wisdom operating, and that wisdom isn't from from education. It's not acquired knowledge about things, but it's it's universal wisdom, universal intelligence. And you use the word universal, it means one. And this is oneness. Then, outside the dualism or diversity, unity and diversity. And they use this word a lot. These Unity and diversity. to uh, f- figure out how we can all live together on this planet without endlessly killing each other. <laughs> but nobody understands what unity is. We're certainly aware of the diversity. Uh, I was in Bangkok. Uh, on the 8th of May, I gave a, a public talk. You know, in having this big conference at the United Nations building, uh, United Nations, I thought, and there's nothing united about the United Nations, <laughs> 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 but it is an ideal, <laughs> isn't it? It's a, it is an ideal of unity, That, but, um, but I mean, and so we think of united as some kind of vague hope in the future of <coughs> where we're all united we all agree, we all get along. we're all living in peace and harmony, and the lions are lying down with the little lambs. <laughs> but unity is here and now in the oneness universe these these words these words convey the the reality of oneness, and then when you when you forget that, then we're caught in the dualism. The world in all its problems, the physical, the, the physical body we're identified with and all its changing conditions, its aging process, its pain, its sicknesses. And, and then the uh, people around us, the society we're in, endless diversity impinging on us, m- grabbing our attention, uh, pulling us into this dualistic realm and we have no way of getting out of it until we awaken. So th- the reason why I like these this, these three like Buddha Dhamma Sangha because it does it gives you a vocabulary that is not you know, that is non personal. And it's not to be seen as, as ideals, It's just Buddhist kind of ideas or ideals, but they're they're to be used. You know, this to me, this is Buddha. I'm taking refuge in Buddha is awareness, knowing the way it is, because this is here and now. Sangha. Living my life in in uh, in, in the human form, and with awareness. Sati and Panya and wisdom, awareness and wisdom. So it's a very simple, you know, it's ultimate simplicity because there's, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, Buddhism, as it's presented uh, <coughs> academically sounds incredibly complicated and you talk to Buddhist scholars and you think mind-boggling you know <laughs> all they <coughs> you know t- people trying to study Abhidhamma before they're even aware <laughs> it's, it's self-defeating <coughs> so you you know, you, so the the point, you know, the, the essential teaching, the kind of expedient means the Buddha used after his enlightenment is the teaching of the Four Noble Truths, which is uh, taking the most common experience that all human beings can relate to is suffering or dukkha. Taking that as the First Noble Truth and awakening to it understanding it. So the first noble truth there is suffering. It should be understood. This is the prescription of the Buddha. Said. It should be understood. To understand suffering isn't kind of trying to figure it out and analyze why do I suffer, but recognizing it. suffering is like this. This feeling of wanting something I don't have. The feeling of not liking the way I am. I'm not good enough. I've got to improve myself. I feel a sense of lack in my life. Sense of I feel insecure. Uh, life has not been totally fair to me, and uh, and then then here I'm getting old now, and uh, it's just not fair. You know, the, you should get old and and then get pain and no I can't you know when I go for walks I I can't keep up with the younger monks (laughs) I feel embarrassed (laughs)
1: lost
0: my looks (laughs) not fair (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, to, to understand that is is not to is, is not thinking or analyzing or thinking I shouldn't. You know, it's not about shouldn't. But suffering is like this. You know, the sense of me as a body, me wanting, not wanting, fearing. You know, and worrying about things. and and dreading, and feeling ill at ease, and and unsatisfied by things, bored, and uh, incomplete. It doesn't have to be like, you know, really horrible suffering. I mean, there's just ordinary life and there's just enough suffering for enlightenment, even for the most fortunate of you people, <laughs> so duca then is is a noble truth. Uh, now that's taking something quite banal, ordinary, common, because that relates to the highest level, the Queen Elizabeth, to the the most miserable wretch, uh, you know, that in 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 Britain. Suffering, you know, everybody suffers. You don't get out of it by becoming Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> so so then this suffering, then understanding there is this suffering. is, so It's like suffering usually is what we're trying to get away from. And then it's what we don't want. Pain, physical pain, uh, worries and anxieties, and 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 rumors. There's so many horrible rumors going around now about wars and disease and plagues and overpopulation and refugees and and poverty and and uh, terrorists and who knows what. You know, there wouldn't be more frightening than than uh, you know the way. The media likes to play up all this, you know so we're we're in a society where fear is, is generally you know what we're getting we're we're being programmed to be frightened <coughs> and so uh then this this the suffering then is what we we begin to See see your suffering as noble truth rather than uh, some miserable thing that you'd like to get rid of so where we want security, safety, beauty, happiness, good health, long life, beautiful complexion we you know that's what we'd like but but we can't even if we have all that it's still we still suffer. So the suffering then is, we turn to it, we observe, suffering is, is yeah, this suffering is this. It's this feeling of dis-ease, of feeling just insecure, or not knowing what to do, or, or being confused. Just feeling confused. You can recognize, isn't it, what that which is aware of confusion or insecurity so it's turning away turning not just trying to get rid of it by seeking happiness but actually understanding it so you have to look at it and receive it and acknowledge it it's like this and and so that is his uh the uh, first noble truth using suffering and then by pursuing that we become we increasingly have confidence in the way of non suffering, so it's taking what's obvious, what's ordinary that you know that that every human being experiences and turning to it, and so we're not just caught reacting and and trying to run away, find happiness, but t- accepting it, acknowledging it, receiving it, and investigating. So, the three other noble truths are all about investigating re- recognizing non-suffering, and that that is through recognizing realizing awareness so awareness is like bringing awareness to suffering is like shining a light on you know on this this uh, thing that we tend to just react to and and try to resist. So also recognize the importance of being patient, patient because uh, we're not we're we tend to be very impatient wanting to get rid of pain and anything unpleasant as quickly as possible but you know see that restlessness is is you know is is, a, is another form of suffering just trying to get rid of things res- Trying to resist is suffering itself, so just observing this, and so this sense of sitting here, observing, witnessing, allowing, and so when your w- thoughts come and and just let them come, you don't know? try to resist thinking or control it but be the knower, the observer, like this, rather than someone who's trying to to stop, to to resist or make your mind stop thinking. If you let, if you trust this, then then the, these things resolve themselves in a way that you know that isn't through controlling everything. Because as soon as you're into control, then you you're also going to lose control. It's not a matter of control, but of being patient and uh, and trusting in your own ability, in awakeness, awareness. This you can really trust, as I said before, It's refuge. It's the, the only refuge. It's the deathless. So it's here and now. There's not something far away in the distant future that you might get if you're lucky. It's just waking up and recognizing it's real and it? it's not it's not refined, it's not an extreme it's quite ordinary, so I offer this as a reflection for this evening.